Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. Ben, I'm excited about today's topic. I mean, I think this is going to spawn a bunch of small conversations between us that uh, that, that are going to be, well, for you and I at least, fascinating. Yeah, and I hope you enjoy it as well, listeners, because this will be a podcast that maybe takes you down memory lane, and it might lead you to regret, it might lead you to nostalgia, it might lead you to customize the car you drive today. Oh, maybe, or maybe it will make you appreciative of, you know, some of the newer technology, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Because uh, some of these things that we're going to talk about today have been replaced by other things uh, that are better in some ways. Uh, yeah. Maybe not, though. This so, is a yeah. confusing list, I guess. A confusing way to start this list, anyways. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's just say what it is. All right. So <laughs> I was reading online, you know, all the blog sites and everything, and I came across this uh, this question of the day uh, from Jalopnik. So, you know, jalopnik.com. And uh, Jason Torchinsky, I guess, is the guy's name who wrote this. And it's just kind of, uh, you know, they throw something out there and they let the listeners respond. And this is so fascinating to me when this happens because hundreds of people responded to this one. And it was a really good question. It, it, the question was, what car feature would you bring back from the dead? And yeah. they got a huge response, a, a wide variety of responses, too. And I've got a list of all of the listener responses in front of me here. <laughs> and after reading through these and, you know, seeing what other people had to say, I, I kind of you know sparked a few ideas of my own. I've got a, a couple at the end, but really once I read the ones that the listeners had sent in, uh-huh. there wasn't a whole lot left because I think they covered the entire gamut. Really. They, they did pretty well here. And let's be honest, not everybody agreed on what should come back. No, no, no. I mean, like the uh, like the writer of this article, Jason, he said that, um, you know, it's it's it's. Kind of hard for me to pick just one, but he's thinking about like vinyl tops and T tops yeah. and four wheel steering was one that uh, was one that he mentioned. So he, he just quickly mentions these three and says, well, have at it, everybody. What would you like to see? <laughs> what would you like to see come back? So these are features that, you know, you can you can look back on older cars and say, like, man, I remember when my car had this. And in fact, most other cars on the road had this feature 
but you don't ever see that on a new vehicle. So, yeah, so just for one example of what we're talking about, T-tops, that's a great example, mm -hmm. something that was uh, found in so many cars and trucks for a long time would be the wing windows, right? Yeah, that's right. Those are a big thing, and I grew up with those, and I, I love those, and I miss them. Sure, I do too. And I think uh, I think that's the kind of stuff we're exploring here, these car features that you probably remember at some point in your life, but then they kind of faded away, and they just don't happen in 20 uh, in 21st century cars. Or they do, and there's maybe just one or two manufacturers that, <laughs> that have one or two models that have these features still. Yeah, yeah. And so it's a, it's a rarity, I guess, maybe. So, um, either completely back from the dead or, you know, they're just, they're, they're dying, I guess, maybe is the, the way to say it, right? Yeah. So let's, uh, let's All right, walk so this down. I guess what I'll do is I'll just run through this list and you stop me whenever you want. Um, <laughs> uh, because just think about these old features and, and these are ones that people would like to see come back. Yeah, okay. I want to see if I've got some that made it to a different list. Let's see. All right. All right. So um, some of these you'll agree with, some you won't. All right. Cheap sports cars. That's number one. Oh. <laughs> yeah, would, that, that who wouldn't home. like to see that come back, right? <laughs> I mean, really, think about it. You know, there's, mm. uh, there was the Porsche 914, for God's sake. Yeah. I mean, that, was a, that was an inexpensive yeah. sports car, a mid-engine sports car that you could have. Um, I'm trying to think of several others right now, but uh, Datsun's. You know, yeah. the Datsun's, uh, the 280Z, 240Z. Um, yeah, what happened to those? Because even adjusting for inflation, they were still more affordable. All right. Uh, so, okay, there's cheap sports cars. We'll just leave it at that because we've okay. got a long list to go through here. Yeah, yeah. Um, colors for cars that aren't silver, black, more silver, white, silver-er, <laughs> or blacker. All right. Now, there is a proliferation of that. What, what's the what's the fancy word? Color palette? I think so, Yeah. 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 I well, mean, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with uh, with resale value, and a lot of manufacturers make a lot of black and white cars and silver cars now. That's mm -hmm. a popular color uh, because I think people like them because they can sell them again for a uh, you know, significant return, I guess, compared to if you buy an orange car or if you buy a, you know, a bright yellow car, you know, something I, like that. I mean, I would not recommend getting a white car because it's like buying a white suit. You know what I mean? I guess so. I mean, there's... Pros and cons for white. There's sure. also pros and cons for black and True. silver and every other color, too. But um, I see what you mean about white. But what happened to those yellow cars? They all went to the Middle East and the Emirates. <laughs> uh, what The Rainbow Chic. The Rainbow Chic. Yeah, he's yeah. got all of them. Okay, so I'll uh, see. Another one. This is a good one. Pop-up headlamps. Yeah. Uh, so Or at least pop-up headlamp styling, as someone said. You know, like modern lighting technology that we can have headlight covers that either Lose their opacity when, oh, I like this idea. They lose their opacity when, when used, like the E-Class in Men in Black 2. Yeah, that was <laughs> that cool. Was, that was cool. Or instead of popping up, they can retract into the hood without protruding from the body. Yeah, I, you not know. Not a bad idea. It's not a bad idea. One of the things that is a con for the pop-up headlights would just be that there's an extra, there, there's an extra mechanism that can break. Yeah, and I, I always part. see cars, you know, older cars. With pop-up headlamps, like the older Corvettes that had these, yeah, uh, you always see one up, one down, just sort of winking at. Yeah, you. it always happens, right? I mean, there's always something wrong. With Man, that. that would just that would drive me up the wall and around the corner to have just the one light popping up. Oh yeah, you know, oh, I yeah. I hate uh, I hate when I find out I'm driving a Popeye or something. You know, <laughs> I uh, with I, one burnout. Yeah, just. Really quick, just an anecdote. So I replaced the uh, front left headlight assembly mm -hmm. recently on the Monte Carlo. And what's cool about the Monte Carlo is, you know, it's super easy to replace the entire assembly. There's just a clip, 
You don't even have to unscrew anything. The whole thing, not just the bulb. Whole thing, whole thing. Because I had a short in there uh, that was keeping the keeping the high beam from working, and man, it drove me crazy because I wouldn't even I wouldn't even do a courtesy high beam flash at people, you know, as mm-hmm. to say like, you can go at this intersection or something like that, because I was so embarrassed about not having full working high beams. And I was like, I'm not going to wink at people. That's ridiculous <laughs> on the road. What is it? What is it? like texting an emoticon? Anyway, uh, that's why I've avoided pop-up lights for a long time because I don't want it to break and then have to, you know, go through the hassle of how expensive is it going to be to fix sure, it? Is it yeah. hydraulic? Is it electric? Is right. It, is it air-driven? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the lot can go wrong with those. Yeah. And it often does. But they look so cool. They really do look cool on a lot of vehicles. Some, some vehicles though could do without it. I could tell you that. But, um, <laughs> all right. So wing windows. That's another thing that uh, you just mentioned, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, instead of rolling the entire window down, you just crack open the wing window at the front there. And, uh, you know, my, my Chrysler in the garage. The uh, Newport? Is, yeah. The Newport, which is doing me no good right now. Um, <laughs> that has these, uh, has, they're not power or anything like that. Right. You know, they're manual, but, um, I do love that feature. I've had it on, other vehicles in the past, and it's fantastic to get air flowing through the vehicle at speed. Mm-hmm. Um, if you combine that with the uh, the rear windows that sometimes pop open, oh yeah, uh, you know, pop open at the back edge. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Ford Festiva had that, and I believe, yeah, my wife's um, Honda Element has that right now. Oh, really? That's yeah, it's, cool. It's a great feature. It, it blew, you know, it pulls air right through the vehicle. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. So I would fresh. love to see the uh, the wing windows come back. All right, so we're we're getting. Uh, we're yeah, only yeah. like four into this. How Let's, about I list a bunch of them? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Hidden gas tank fillers. You know, the ones that were like behind the uh, license plate or even in, even behind tail lamps. So you could drive to either side of the pump. Yeah. Hey, yep. Here's uh, here's another good one. Rear-facing back seats and station wagons, mm-hmm. minivans, crossovers, SUVs. There's one vehicle out there right now that I know that does this. Which one is that? Tesla Model S. Has oh, two, you're right. Has two rear-facing seats in the back that are made for kids, not for adults, because they're right. a little too small. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to sit back there in the back of a Model S. Not for a long trip. And oh man, <laughs> did I love that in old station wagons? Yeah. That was such a cool feature. All right. Um, here's a good one: rebuildable parts. And you don't think about this, but it wasn't that long ago that you could take a part off your vehicle, crack it open, yeah, replace whatever's broken inside that component, you know, that bigger component, sure, or I guess the component within the assembly. Whatever's worn down. Reassemble it, put it back in the car, and it works. But now it seems like anytime anything's broken, you got to completely replace the uh, the assembly. And that's not the way that it always was. But, um, you know, parts that, um, you know, had grease fittings in the past that don't have grease fittings now. Yeah. Parts that, you know, you, you're able to access and, and uh and even actually just get parts for them. You can't even locate parts for them. So uh, rebuildable parts is a great one. Um, oh, here's a good one. Proper material choices <laughs> and keeping accountants out of the engineering department. I like Ooh, this. I know that's, yes. a, that's a low blow. But um, the idea is that, you know, people are using plastics where plastic is the wrong item to use in the car. Right. Clearly yeah, for that, for, for that uh, application. Temperature, uh, for the volatility. Yeah. yeah, and we're talking about things even like timing gears, water pump impellers, uh, uh, radiator crossover tubes, intake manifolds that are made out of plastic, engine covers that are made out of plastic, and and not just that stuff. I mean, the stuff that's inside the vehicle, too. I mean, uh, stuff that, you know, feels cheap when you touch it. It looks cheap, um, and it often breaks. You know, like mm-hmm. it gets brittle with age. It's not that, you know, initially it doesn't look and feel nice and everything, but um, it just gets brittle with age. It's not built it, to last. It shows where. Yeah. All right. Um, how about switch or radio controlled power extending antennas? 
And I don't know anybody who really wants that back. <laughs> um, you know, I guess you'd want it back for maybe a stylistic thing now. Oh, um, maybe, I guess. It is kind of fun. Like, you know, someone here points out, it's kind of fun to play with. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the first time that you go through a car wash and forget to lower that antenna, uh, that's the trouble. Now, of course, they're built into, um, well, they're built into the glass, the rear glass, or you have that tiny little antenna that's, um, Looks like a shark fin on top of the vehicle. Yep. That's a, a much better solution. To it's just whole. that antenna technology has come so far. It really has. So, I mean, I, I know that somebody said, you know, it's kind of fun to mess around with these things. I agree. But also, if they were slightly bent, I mean, just barely bent, uh, they wouldn't open or close. Oh, yeah. It's a pain. Yeah. But I'd be fiddling with that one at every red light. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of problems with them. Yeah, that's All true. Right. All right. Here's a good one. Rear window louvers. Remember those? Mm-hmm. And uh, you just don't see them very often. They're they're completely aftermarket at this point. Yeah. They may have always been aftermarket now that I think about it. Uh, but the, the louvers that you would see that cover the rear window of, um, you know, the fastback design vehicles. Right, yeah. And so it looks like a series of slats. And... A of, yeah, a lot of Camaros had it. Oh, uh, yeah. Mustangs. Yeah. yeah. Corvettes. A lot of vans, custom vans had these on the back windows. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, uh, I you remember just don't the see them vans. anymore. And I think I, I've seen some modern versions of... Um, Oh, like maybe the Subaru, the BRZ, mm-hmm. um, or the Scion FRS. I think I've seen a couple of those that have had have some aftermarket um, louvers on them. They look really good. Yeah, uh, they're they're well done, but um, they don't quite fit on all cars. I think it'd be cool to see them maybe on uh, like the newer Camaros, mm-hmm. uh, maybe of course the Mustangs mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, Challengers. I think that'd be another good candidate for those. Glass isn't that big, but it might look pretty cool. Yeah, I'm picturing it. That's the thing. The glass isn't that big, but I bet it would look good. How about two-tone paint jobs? Yeah. Do you miss those? Yes. There should be more of those. Um, <laughs> if I, done correctly. Because there's some really bad two-tone paint Well, jobs. sometimes you got to break some eggs. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I've seen some. I was recently driving out of state, and I lo- what I love about a road trip is that you really get a chance to see some people with high-performance vehicles every so often just zipping along because, you know, they've passed Johnny Law and now they can open it up for a little bit until their, uh, you know, until their radar system tells them there's a cop ahead. So it's a wide-open throttle on the wide-open highway. Yeah, and I saw I saw some pretty good racing stripe jobs. Oh, cool. Um, so it, it, was, it made me think, because I knew we were going to record this this week, uh, it made me think about, how uncreative paint jobs have become. You know, just I just have to tell you this because I saw this this morning on the way in. Uh, you said the the racing stripes. Yeah, I, I saw a car today, and I've seen it a few times around where I live in uh, in Roswell, Georgia. And the guy has a brand new Ford Focus ST. I think it's the ST or STI. It's uh-huh. the uh, the performance version of the the Ford Focus, and it's that uh, that really intense blue. You know, like, um, I guess you call it electric blue. I don't sure, know like cobalt blue or something. Yeah, it has white racing stripes, two of them, mm. very close together but very wide. Mm. And uh, then he has a um, a pair of, looks like big yellow rally lamps on the front, uh, right in the middle of the front grille. And they're huge, you know, they're really big yellow lenses, uh, glass apparently. And they uh, that thing looks so cool. That color combination looks fantastic. And he drives it kind of fast, you know, around town. I've seen right. him. I've seen him couple of times uh this morning i just happened to see him as i pulled out of my neighborhood so um this sparked a memory i guess with the the racing stripes thing yeah most cars look better with racing stripes not all not all most most do and and they have to be done right but oh man it looks so cool it's what a great combination anyways yeah we should get some stripes on your car i you know what i would love it it would look i think it would look (laughs) really good 
Yeah, I really do. I think it's. I think it would fit that vehicle. Well, maybe we could do a podcast or video on that in the near future. But for now, what's next? Uh, next is uh, oh, liftbacks, not hatchbacks. There's a difference. Yeah. Um, hatchback or liftbacks are sleeker, maybe less vertical than a hatchback. That's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah. Um, there's a huge piece of rear glass, um, and a hatch that lays down kind of towards the front of the vehicle. Think about it like a like a long stretched out piece of glass. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Um, I think that the old Datsun cars and maybe the Honda CRX and a bunch of like the 1980s Toyota cars best are best described as liftbacks, not hatchbacks. Even though I think the CRX was t- uh, technically a hatchback, um, I think. But the um, you know, there's a definite um, difference between the two. Once you see them side by side, you'll understand. Like my my little hatchback is mm-hmm. more vertical than it would be. Um, Sure, um, like the CRX design where it's laying towards the front of the vehicle. And there's like more of an acute angle. Yeah, you're right. You're lifting up this massive panel, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it opens up this wide, wide open area. It's such a, a handy feature. Mm-hmm. So liftbacks, not hatchbacks. Um, gated shifters. You know, like the metal gated shifters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's still a few performance vehicles out there that do it, but. They're not as common in just regular civilian vehicles yeah i guess better so. term. I mean, yeah there were there were a handful of manufacturers that would put a gated shifter in a car mm-hmm. in a standard car and um i don't know they're tricky to drive from what i hear yeah i've never yeah. had one uh but from what i hear they're they're difficult sometimes to get accustomed to you yeah. can't be quite as sloppy as you can be if there's just a boot there and and no gated shifter mm-hmm. so interesting one there uh how about floor mounted high beam switches well, this was a cool one. I've never driven a car that has four miles. Oh, wait a, wait a minute. You had to have. And I, 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 but maybe you don't remember. You had, um, you had El Caminos, right? Ah, uh, yeah. My, my, uh, my dad mainly had the El Camino. Okay. So but, did yeah. the, do you think that the El Camino had a stock, uh, high beam or do you think that it had floor high beams? Cause I bet, I would bet anything yeah. that it had floor high beams. You know what? I'm going to check into that and see if we, I know we don't have it anymore, but I'm going to check into that. Yeah, I, I'm just guessing. I mean, I All hate right. to second guess your memory or anything. No, no, that, it's fine. But I, I feel like you may have had experience you don't even remember. That's quite possible, man. I have a checkered past. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, I've got one that might be, while you're looking, I've got one sure. that might be a blast from the past a lot of people don't know about. What's that? If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. The skull license plates. Skull license plates? Yeah, have you heard about this? No. All right, so there was this plan in Memphis, Tennessee in the 1930s to uh, make a safety measure uh, via the law and license plates. And the idea was that if you were a bad motorist, you would get a skull and crossbones along with the word traffic law violator on your car so that other drivers would know that you were a bad driver. Sort of a scarlet letter kind of mark of shame thing. Oh, I don't know. That sounds kind of cool. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, I understand, you know, the, uh, the mark of shame thing, I guess. I, I understand that. I get it. But still, that, that would be so cool to have an old hot rod or something. That had, you know, the skull and crossbones on it. Yes. Well, not that, but, you know, violator or whatever it's. Yeah. Yeah. Traffic law violator. Well, the idea apparently never really got out of the planning stages. I, I don't know exactly why it didn't because for anybody who says, Oh, I, that's a crazy violation of privacy or whatever. Consider that. Driver's licenses also have markings for, you know, if somebody's on a probationary thing or, you know, if you have a license with a curfew or even if you just wear corrective lenses, it's marked on your license. You know, I believe and I, I'll have to double check this, Ben, but I think that if they're not doing it now, they were in the past. Uh, you would have to put a certain bumper sticker on the back of your vehicle if you were ever caught, uh, you know, in violation of drunk driving. Oh, um, so, you know, if, I don't know what it would say, like drunk driving, you can't afford it or something like that. You know, yeah. Whatever the slogan was, it's probably like state by state. I think so, and I, again, I'll have to check into that and see exactly where and when that was happening. But, but I want to hear from people too and see what they think about this idea. Like, should you be able to look at someone's license plate and know they are a bad driver? Yeah, but you know what? I could, I could totally see that skull and crossbones thing kind of taken off with the with the greaser culture in the 1950s. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I didn't get that far because you know you said it was in the 30s when they thought right. of it. How cool would that be to have one of the, like um, the, the I don't know if it was like a prototype stage or what, but if you had a license plate that had that now, that'd be such a cool thing to hang on the wall in a mm-hmm. den or a garage or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. All right. Here's another one. Huh. Cars with low belt lines. And this is one you don't think about too often, right? And the photo that they, they show here uh, to go along with this, this example would be like a Triumph Spitfire or a Triumph TR3 for an extreme example. Mm-hmm. And they show a guy sitting in the car. And, you know, I've, I've been in a TR3 before and I've driven, you know, Spitfires before. 
you can literally hang your arm out and touch the ground when you when you're in that vehicle. You're sitting that low, and the belt line is below you know your shoulder. Yeah. Most people don't think about this right now, but when you when you put your arm up on the uh, up on the window, you know, let's say you have your window down and it's a nice sure. day. Yeah, you put cruising. your arm up. Your elbow is up near where your ear is now. When you think about it, really. Yeah. And that's not the way that it always was. The belt line of the car, you know, where the uh, where the window would go right, right. into the door, I guess, right. and it's a little lower in the past, not a whole lot lower, but it's just a different it's a completely different feeling. It's, it's a different ride. Yeah, it really is. And and look at some of the older uh British sports cars to get an idea of what a low belt line looks like. And mm-hmm. you know, other people pointed out that it's probably, you know, safety issues, you know, with uh the higher belt line, you know, for the uh collision Sure, collision protection, exactly got to have right. some crumple zones. What happens if a person goes through the glass? Ah, exactly right, because, I mean, looking at this uh, this TR3 driver here, if an SUV or something like that, a truck were to hit him, uh, it would go right over. It, it would be up, you know, right near where his head is or shoulders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not good news. All right, amber tail lights for turn signals in the back. Ah. Now, um, not a lot of U.S. manufacturers do this. There's still some out there. The rest of the world kind of still does this, but the U.S. manufacturers have uh, kind of gotten away from that. It's almost all red tail lenses at this point. Yeah, there's a uniformity thing there. And if we're adding, while we're on the tail end of things, uh, if I could just interject with a couple, uh, tail fins, man. What happened to tail fins? That's yeah, a good one, Ben. Yeah, huh. tail fins. Um, man, I don't know if those will ever come back. I don't know if they will either, unless maybe in some concept cars. But I don't really see it in a production car. Part of it being that cars are many cars are just smaller, you know, and don't have that space in the back to adequately like position a tail fin. That's true, and I mean the general shape of new vehicles just doesn't seem to allow for that. It's more of a doesn't lend itself a streamlined. It's uh, it's just um, everything is kind of tight to the body itself. You know, it's more like everything is seeming to be tucked in more, whereas in the past it was like at the back end it would just kind of flare out. Yeah. If that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Look at like a new, um, you know, the Lincoln, the MKZ, uh-huh. or look at the, um, I guess the Volvo cars. Uh, a lot of those are really like, um, when you get to the back, it kind of, everything kind of goes, it moves towards the inside of the trunk. Yeah, it kind of truncates. Yeah, no pun intended. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was not on No, purpose. no, that's true. And, and, you know, the cars of the past, it's like at the back end it would it would flare out and up. And uh, that's just not the way it is anymore. Like, look at the old DeSotos, you know, with the giant wings on the back, or the pins yeah. on the back, rather, and the Cadillacs, of course. Now, um, here's here's one I have personal experience with, though. Okay. All right. Bench seats. Oh, that, yeah. I'm sure it came up in this list. That's a good one, yeah. I, you know, I was driving those Bonnevilles for a while, mm-hmm. and they had bench seats, and that was amazing, man. And it's like a, a studio apartment on wheels. Yeah. Did it have the best handling? No, of course not. But who cares? You're sitting on a couch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, really, it's what it's like. It's like driving around town on a couch. Uh huh. Yeah. It's awesome. Drop the console, and uh, then all of a sudden, you've got this new, uh, this this new interior of your car, and then you pop it up. I I had fit way too many people in that car before driving. <laughs> now yeah. one now one thing to think about though is that the bench seats don't hold you in place when you're driving. So if you're uh, a little aggressive in the turns or whatever. That's true. You'll you're be gonna, bumping around. You're going to slide around. That's right. You could slide away from the steering wheel significantly, a significant amount, if you have a sloppy seatbelt, which some of those older cars did. Yeah, no kidding. Um, but, you know, you get in a, a new car, a modern car that has, um, you know, of course, even older cars had bucket seats, but now they seem to have all these bolsters that keep you in place, and you hardly move at all. I mean, even right. your shoulders are, are 
are contained. Your, uh, you know, your midsection is mm-hmm. contained. There's an ergonomic design. And again, you know, one of the, one of the big things that keeps popping up when we talk about car trends of yesteryear, uh, it's, it's always a safety issue or it's yeah. often a safety issue. Yeah. You know, there's some variants of that, I guess, still happening. I mean, when you look at a truck, it's not necessarily a true bench seat because there's often a, a fold down console or something like right, that. Yeah. It's not, it's not a, a true bench seat that's still in there, but it's close, mm-hmm. really close. So, you know, you can still kind of get a little sense of that out there. How about column shifters? Column shifters. Yeah. And that kind of goes along with the bench seat thing because, yeah. uh, you know, most cars now have a center console or something that goes all the way, you right. know, into the back seating area sometimes. Um, and that's typically where they put the shifter now, but most cars don't have column shifters now. Some still do. Uh, I think a lot of police cars still do, right? Yes. Yeah. They, if uh, I understand correctly. Made specifically with column shifters, mm-hmm. I believe. So, um, it's not totally dead, but it's, uh, it's definitely gone away. Um, oh, here's a good one. Manual transmission equipped small station wagons. And this, uh, this seems very specific, doesn't it? I mean, someone is pointing out, you know, that, uh, there aren't a lot of small station wagons for sale in the United States to begin with. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're available elsewhere. And I think a lot of, you know, them are manual, but here in the United States, first of all, there aren't a lot of small station wagons. Second of all, most of them are automatic when you do see them. That is absolutely true. Uh, another thing that you don't see too much of anymore. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to up the ante on this one, Scott. All right. Uh, you don't see the, uh, the, the horn rings. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the, those giant horn rings that are, uh, you know, like a, a medium sized pizza size ring uh-huh. inside an, an enormous steering wheel. Yeah. 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 Well, an enormous thin steering wheel. Exactly. Because now uh, steering wheels have become increasingly designed to be a little bit thicker in circumference so that the average person holding their hand can put their hand all the way around it in a smaller radius yeah. rather, um, in a smaller diameter rather than having this gigantic uh, thing that looks like you're steering a ship. Yeah, and it feels like, you know, when you get into one of those, it feels so weird. Uh, my Chrysler, again, has this feature, this this thin yeah. steering wheel, and, and it has a, a ring like that. Mm-hmm. Um, very strange when you when you feel that, when you grip that steering wheel. Uh, it's just an unusual sensation compared to modern steering wheels that are a lot thicker, like you said, leather-wrapped. Yeah. Uh, now, it's not to say they didn't have leather-wrapped wheels back then. They had wooden wheels. Uh, they were just typically a lot thinner, and they felt... Yeah. It feels fragile when you first when you first grab it, but yeah. th- they'll stand up to anything just like any other one. Would. And because because they're so much bigger, uh, for all you youngsters out there, which feels weird to say, but <laughs> for all you youngsters out there who have no idea what we're talking about, the horn ring was this thing that that traversed around the uh, spokes of the steering wheel, so that instead of moving your hand off of the steering wheel to hit the center of the column and engage the horn, you just had to push a finger over to where this ring was anywhere on the steering wheel and tap it down. Yeah, it's usually you know two or three inches away from the, the steering wheel itself, sure. but it goes the full circumference of the steering wheel, and uh, it's very it's really handy actually to have it at you know. I guess that close at hand anytime you need it instead of having to go to the middle of the wheel to push that big button. Yeah. But um interesting one. That's a good one. And you know, I think skinny steering wheels is on this list too, but I'll just skip over it when we get to it. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh how about roll down rear windows uh in station wagons or mm-hmm. even in SUVs? Now I know there's a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Um I've seen like power lowering oh, oh here's another one that kind of ties in with that. Power lowering gates on station wagons. Do you remember this? I've seen it, but I've never participated in these it. are such a cool thing i mean it's a uh, it's the, the full gate 
lowers down into the vehicle or lowers below the vehicle. Yeah. And if you haven't seen one ever before, um, you know, go online, take a look at one. You know, yeah, there are a bunch of videos. Operating. A lot of the General Motors station wagons from the, the early to mid-1970s had this feature. I think it was an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, first, the glass rolls down into the into the uh, the rear gate, mm-hmm. and then the gate itself lowers down below the vehicle. And so you're left with this wide-open sp- space in the back that you can load and unload whatever you have to, whether it's, you know, kids or... You know, camping equipment, furniture, or, or something. Yeah, yeah it's, it's amazing. It's a really cool feature. All right, here's another one: water temperature gauge, and uh, just basically gauges in general, because a lot of the gauges that that used to be around mm-hmm. in the past mm-hmm. have gone away. So think about things like um, um, like oil pressure gauges, or oil temperature gauges, or voltage gauges. Right. None of those are around anymore. You might have an indicator light that will tell you if your battery's not charging. Right. You have a dash sign maybe that pops up with a change oil or uh, oil temp warning. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? It's too late at that point. It's too late at that point. But if you had had a gauge there so that you could see something shifty was going on, then you could have saved your cars, which goes back to my earlier beef. I know I've been on this a while, Scott, but by God, man, mark my words, manufacturers are making cars more difficult to work on for the average person. Oh, yeah. And it's not cool. You know, later, not today, because yeah. we're, we've got a long yeah, list yeah, to go yeah. through here. I replaced a uh, a knock sensor in my vehicle this weekend, this past weekend. Uh-huh. It was a long process. Um, on, the, it, on the Newport? Or? Uh, no, no, no. This was on uh, my Honda Civic, oh. and uh, it was a difficult process. Mm. But we'll have to talk about okay, that at yeah, some yeah, point. Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was stressful. Stressful weekend. <laughs> All right. So um, how about wood paneling, especially on station wagons? That's one that uh, is kind of around, but... Yeah, Not like it was in the past. Well, we we had, and a lot of times it's fake wood paneling now, mm-hmm. but we had a, a pretty good episode on woodies. Yeah, even fake paneling. I'd, I'd take that, too, because, I mean, it's an interesting look on some vehicles, mm-hmm. uh, but it's just not around like it was in the past. I mean, there's a few here and there that you'll see, like, a, you know, Ford uh, Ford Edge, I believe, is one yeah, that has yeah. a, a, a package that you, know, you can do that with. Um, I think there's plenty of other cars out there that are kind of one-offs that have it. But that kind of stuff, the cosmetic stuff comes and goes, Scott. Yeah, it does. It really does. But think about, you know, the 70s or think about the 60s when it was very common to see something like mm-hmm. that. All right. How about hand crank? Here's a funny one. Hand crank sunroofs. And the comment said, <laughs> the comment said, the reason I like this is because it was minimalist and lovely. If you use paper, you're a human. But if you choose paper, you're a papertarian. Someone who lives a paper-based lifestyle because it has a positive impact on the planet. And also because it's the easiest choice you'll make all day. Seriously. It's as easy as reaching for boxed instead of bottled water. It's as easy as opting for beauty products that come in paper packaging. It's as easy as grabbing eggs in a cardboard container. And that's all in one trip to the grocery store, which, if we're being honest, you were planning to go to anyway. But paper isn't just an easy choice. Papertarians know that it's the smart choice, too. Because paper comes from trees, a renewable and sustainably managed resource. And paper products are designed to be recycled. In fact, when you choose products that come in paper-based packaging, those fibers can go on to be recycled up to seven times. So why wouldn't you go Papertarian? I'll wait. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. 
Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options see homedepot.com slash delivery for details the home depot how doers get more done <laughs> you know, i had a car that had a hand crank sunroof did you what, yeah. did you, what were you driving it was a 1981 toyota celica gt and the the sunroof was a hand crank sunroof where was the crank located it was uh Front, it could be like right above where the rearview mirror would be. Oh, okay. So behind the glass, the front glass, yeah. Before you get to the um, the actual, um, the actual mirror. Well, the no, the actual sunroof. Oh, part. okay, right yeah. there in the middle. Yeah, and you just sort of you know now, a motion. Okay, now that I think about it, was it behind? It might have been behind the sunroof. Now I'll have to I'll have to look at an interior uh, photo. Yeah, of that vehicle, but uh, it was definitely hand crank. I, you know, I, I gotta be honest. I like that because I still am at that stage where I don't trust power mechanics for a lot of stuff. I'd rather just roll it. Well, there, there is something to be said for, you know, having one less component that could possibly break. Now yeah. you can force it and it would break obviously, sure. but, but I mean, generally this is going to last a lot longer than an electronic component. That's, yeah, that's no fooling. Yeah. And that goes with, uh, I guess that would go with, um, hand crank windows as well. Yep. A lot of people said, I'd like to see hand crank windows come back because they, they simply break often. You know, there's always something going wrong with that switch because that's the weak point. Yeah. The so, switch and the motor. Yeah. Well, the motor too. And then, uh, yeah, sometimes you can just get a, uh, kind of crap motor. Yeah. And you're stuck with it until you decide to spend the money on the new motor. Well, and that's not to say that the hand crank windows don't have their problems as well because Absolutely. I've had, I've had those that, would not go up or would not go down. Yeah, they get frozen or get stuck or jammed. And then what happens is you end up like trying to turn that crank and then the handle breaks. And off. you break the handle yeah. and then you have to open up the door. So they've yeah. got their problems as well, but maybe sure. less problems than an electric component. Or maybe we're just seeing it through rose tinted glasses. <laughs> it could what's, be. what's next? How about ram air cabin vents? That's a good one. Yeah. You way, think about way, those. Yeah. I mean, you, you would pull a, uh, a, a knob on the, uh, on the dash mm-hmm. and you would, you would see something rise up above you in front of the windshield. That was just simply an air inlet. It would uh, it would open a door that would then allow fresh air to flow through the vehicle, and you just don't see that anymore. Yeah, you don't. You know, you don't see a lot of control knobs in general. No, you definitely don't. Uh, one that we skipped is uh, shaker hood scoops, uh, which a lot of older cars had, mm-hmm. you know, the bigger engines that you know required a lot of air forced into them. Um, I think that there is a. Oh, this is crazy, Ben. There's a, a Motor Trend article that I read that said the 2011 to 2014 Dodge Challenger has a shaker hood kit available for the 5.7 liter Hemi version. But you have, this is crazy. Yeah. 
if you've already invested in the Dodge Scat Pack Performance Upgrade Kit, then on top of that, it's an additional $2,660 for the Shaker Hood Scoop. Whoa. Because you have to have, it requires a new hood panel with uh-huh. hole cut out and that piece that sits on top of the engine that actually shakes with the engine. Mm, so it's yeah. a, yeah, it's a complex thing, but I don't know if it's worth 26 six or a hundred bucks. Yeah, I don't know, man. You know, I'm usually the cheap one in this operation, but. <laughs> All right. You want to burn through a few real quick? Yeah, here? yeah, yeah. This is a good one. Velour seats, but not just velour seats. Velour seats in crazy colors like purple, green, blue, yellow. You remember those? Yes, yes. Oh, that's uh, they were so comfortable though. Again, that kind of goes with the uh, the bench seats, I think. Yeah, I remember like they had the, like big quilting almost. They had buttons in them. They were uh-huh. so they were so deep and plush. It was amazing. It was it was often better than the couch you had in your house. Yeah, it's like you were in a recliner. Oh, definitely. How about plaid or houndstooth or just plain old pattern seat materials? Oh yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was in vogue for a long time. But uh, I mean, all kinds of cars. Mercedes yeah. did it. Uh, a lot of European vehicles did it. And I think you can still get a kit from Volkswagen uh, that will allow you to get plaid seats. Yes, you're correct. In the GTI or the Golf, one of the mm-hmm. two. It's the Golf, I think. How about um, <laughs> this is funny. Smaller overall proportions. Just cars are getting way too big in general. All right. What do you think about that? This is a bigger discussion, so I don't this know how much time. This is a bigger time. discussion. I don't know how much time we want to put to this. Maybe that's a maybe that's one of our upcoming podcasts. But Scott, I I don't know if I don't know if that's a fair one to say because there there's such a movement for these small cars, you know, these smart cars, these tiny urban well, vehicles. There is, but think about like how big the Fiat 500's gotten now. Sure, or how big the Mini Cooper has grown. The right? Mini is a classic That's example. exhibit I mean, A. Yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> I mean, I mean just watch it grow over the years. It's amazing how big that thing is. Yeah, got. it's like one of the Oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, that's fine. But then the Jalopnik reader wrote in and said, "I know some of it has to be for safety, but why does the new M4 have to be the size of an aircraft carrier?" <laughs> and I, I completely understand what they're saying. I mean, why does the M4 have to be so big? Why does, um, you know, the Audi A4 have to be so big? It's the size of, you know, the previous A6. Uh, cars are definitely just getting bigger in general. All right. How about hardtop coupe design? This is, uh, when you got to oh, really yeah, think about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the hardtop coupe, we're talking about, um, like, well, here's another way to say this. It could also be the, the pillarless four-door cars that, that of the past. There we go. And okay, once again, my uh, my Newport is a coupe design, but it's a pillarless design. So when you roll down the front window and you roll down the rear window, there's nothing air. in between. There's like it's like the A pillar, and then mm-hmm. what would be the the C pillar, but is actually the B pillar. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's a neat feature, and really, you don't see many cars like that now. I think Mercedes has one, but it's not in you know regular widespread use anymore. Um, tail fins, as you mentioned, how about, <laughs> this one, this one's very specific, I think, huge hood decals. That's gotta be, <laughs> that's gotta be Trans Am. Oh, yeah, but that's also still around. Uh, you just have to find the right neighborhood. I wonder, there may have been an AMC, like, I want to say there was an AMC that had a giant hood emblem on it as well. Maybe the AMC Eagle? Oh, you're talking about just factory. Yeah, factory. Oh, hood, okay. Uh, giant hood decals that came from the factory. So there's the Trans Am, Trans Am with the screaming chicken. Eagle may have had one. I'll have to look into it. But, uh, yeah, that's something you don't see very often anymore. Yeah. Uh, wedge car design. Like, think about the Lotus Esprit or the DeLorean DMC-12 or even the Triumph TR-7. Uh-huh. We don't see wedge designs anymore. Everything's got that um, that smooth shape, you know. Right. Teardrop that's what's shape, in vogue. I guess so. Uh, oh, here's one I don't like. What? Body side moldings. 
You don't like body side molding? No, I don't. And I know that some people do because they prevent door dings. Sure. Uh, much better at that. But um, think about also when those things sit out in the heat and they get kind of warped and they don't really fit all that right. Yeah. I know there were some Pontiacs a long time ago that had a real problem with this because they had lots of body side molding on them. Oh, I've got a weird one for you real quick. All Something right. that came from uh, way back in the day, right. also from the 30s, actually. There was this design for a dog crate dog sack kind of we we covered something like this i believe in our early episode on novelty car accessories yeah but this would come uh the manufacturer had these made and you would put your dog in the side in this like sack or crate yeah and uh it would be on the sideboard and oh running board the running board yeah and the dog would be able to hang out there without getting in your car and dirtying it up oh my gosh now nowadays of course people would never do that but i'd like a specific dog compartment is a cool thing you in know? the car in the car preferably yeah in the car with uh with access like you know how dogs love to stick their heads out the window exactly with, yeah so it'd be able to do that yeah i, I don't know there's maybe there's something for that I mean, somebody in california is gonna make like 1.3 billion dollars as soon as they figure out how to sell these dog compartments i guess so yeah as long as it's safe that they can't jump out right I've had dogs in the past that or a dog in the past that i was worried about jumping out at you know other Just vehicles too into it yeah but the good thing was he was too short to get out. so <laughs> you know i'd hold onto the collar and, and that was about as safe as we get okay anyways All right, move wait, on. Wait, what do we all right um uh, barn doors on big SUVs. You know what I'm talking about? Like the big doors that open wide open. Yeah, um, I like that. Now, the Mini Clubman has that design, but that's a small vehicle. We're talking about big vehicles with big barn doors. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's got to be some out there. Yeah, I, yeah. I would think that there has to be some. I don't think that it's completely gone. How about this? Car names that are actual words, not just <laughs> not just made up words, not acronyms or chemical compounds, as someone says, <laughs> like the MP412C or the CTS, yeah, CLK, yeah. R8, and so on. Uh-huh. So I understand why manufacturers do it. You know, like why they name them the way they do. It's like our three series with the 2.8 liter engine. That's where we're right. Call There's it a, a taxonomy to it. Yeah, we call it a 328 because of that. Yeah, that makes sense to I, me. I get that, but I also do kind of long for the days when cars were actually named something like the Barracuda. True. The Challenger or, you know, of course yeah. the Mustang. You know, some of them still are. Uh-huh. But there's a there's a growing number of vehicles that are simply acronyms or, as someone put here, chemical, chemical. compounds. It's, you know, what's tough about that, and I don't think a lot of people put thought into this, is that it's really difficult to come up with a name for a car. You and I have talked about this yeah. before. Uh, what what would you do if you were faced with the decision? A lot of people said, we're just going to name it after the specs. Yeah, and it, that's maybe the best way to do it at this point because there's so many so many names that have already been used. Mm-hmm. So many that, And it's not to say that they're all used up or anything like that, but to really think about this, to come up with something that's going to stand the test of time, and it's always going to mean that, and it's always going to have that impression on people. Right. Um I don't know, like the Javelin or something like that. Think about the, the Javelin's a cool name. Sure, or the Stingray. And, yeah, and it, and it immediately you know, triggers something in your head. Like you mm-hmm. get the idea of a shape or a form or something like that. Yeah, a that, feeling uh, of speed, ideally. Yeah, a feeling. Yeah, right. It triggers a feeling. And, uh, you know, the, the, the numbers don't sim- simply don't do that the way that, you know, the old names did. So uh, what, what, I think we've got time for a few more. Okay, yeah, just a few more. How about this? I'll, I'll quickly go through without any explanation, but I just want to get through the list. And I will not interrupt. All right, and then I'll get to my very short list at the end. All right, how about real handbrakes, not electric handbrakes? 
suicide doors, portholes, or even just windows in the rear pillar, you know, the kind of cars that had the old vinyl tops, um, dog leg gearboxes, uh, where you have kind of an up and over shift between first and second gear, a real gas pedal connected via cable to the throttle body. So not any of this drive by wire stuff anymore. CB radios. That's another one. Oh yeah. Swiveling bucket seats that were popular in the 1970s. The kind that you could, you know, swivel out to the side and get in and out of the vehicle very easily. Um, affordable mid-engine cars. That's a great one. Like the MR2 or Porsche 914 or even the Fiero GT. Think about those cars. Mm-hmm. But affordable. Cause now they're very, very expensive. Um, push button automatics. Rumble seats, which are extremely dangerous, by the way. <laughs> um, hood mounted gauges and indicators. Like think about the Pontiac Trans Am. They had a tachometer up on the front mm-hmm. outside of the vehicle. Uh, white wall tires. That's one that, uh, very specific, I guess, for certain vehicles. Um, cowl induction hoods. We don't see those as and we're talking as factory equipment, not aftermarket. Stainless steel body panels and trim. That's a great one. Ford used to use that way back in the what, 1920s, 1930s. Mm-hmm. And, uh, some manufacturers did it for a long time, but, uh, we don't see that anymore. Uh, stainless steel. Body on frame construction, not unibody construction. We barely see that outside of truck design anymore. It's, it's just not something that's common in cars. Real wood steering wheels. How about that? No way. Better all around vision. Okay. That's one that kind of plays into mine because we're getting to my list here. Split window designs. We don't see that in the front or the back. That kind of uh, counteracts the previous one with the, the better vision. Uh, but split window designs, like either rear window or front window. Um, it's really a styling thing. I mean, it, it, uh, I don't know. It sets a vehicle apart. I would like mm-hmm. to see that again. Um, oh, and real chrome, not, you know, the plastic silver stuff that you see. <laughs> anymore. Right. So yeah. That's another one. And now we're getting into my short list, I guess. All and right. I don't know if you have any to add to this or not, but I got a couple. All right. Uh, talking about better all around vision. Yeah. My idea was, um, not my idea alone, smaller or thinner A and C pillars. I know a lot of people have a problem with this. Yeah. I have a big problem with this in my wife's Honda element. There's, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a parking lot and I look both ways and I think it's clear and I either back up or, you know, going forward even. Uh-huh. The A pillar is so wide in that vehicle. There's, there's huge blind spots in it. And they're just getting wider, actually. Yeah, they really are. And it's, I know it's for safety. It's a, it's a rollover issue. It's a rollover concern. Sure. They've got to be strong, but it seems like engineers with modern materials could create thinner and somehow yet stronger, um, A pillars, you know, uh, C pillars that, you know, aren't quite so wide that you can, you know, have a much better view of the parking lots or, mm-hmm. you know, pulling out on the streets. It becomes a real hazard. Yeah, definitely. But what's next? All right. Um, and this is, you know, I've got two more. That's it. Cause that, okay. that list was so all encompassing before I, I Oh, we still didn't get to everything. All right. How about full size spare tires? Oh, you got mine. Oh, that was my no, number one. I'm, sorry, I'm so man. tired of those donuts. Yeah. So, okay. So what's, uh, what's your beef with these things? Okay. The, the beef with these is that I know there's a design decision and it makes sense for there to be a just good enough kind of donut, mm-hmm. right? Uh, but that can be dangerous, especially when you consider how many people don't even check on their spare, Scott. Yeah. Don't even check on the donut until they need it. And then if it's not working at all, right? Let's sure. say it got torn up somehow, right? Maybe it's even bent. And, uh, it's, so they're going to have problems putting it on. So those require a lot of pressure too. They require like 75 or 90 yeah. PSI or something yep. like that. Yep. But, uh, I, I just think a full size spare tire is a better idea. Okay. So I think people would still neglect the spare tire. I think uh, it would still, they would still find a flat. 
Um, maybe it would just be a little less deflated, but you'd still be able to limp to the uh, the nearest gas station or whatever to fill it up. Yeah. Um, but I, for me, it's mostly um, aesthetic, I guess, yeah. in that I would like to see a full-size spare on, you know, so that it, when I put it on there, I don't feel like I have to, within an hour, go somewhere and have that, that tire repaired and put I back mean, on the thing. I mean, donuts are embarrassing. Well, they are, and <laughs> maybe that's part of it, is that, you know, you feel like you need to get that thing off of there. Do you think they had a psychologist say people need to be ashamed so that they'll actually <laughs> replace it? How about this? Drift? You know, yeah. even bigger than that is... What's that? Um, I remember, I think it was the Chrysler Crossfire when it came out, um, and I think that they all were this way. Instead of having even a spare tire, they would have run-flat tires, a can of fix-a-flat, a can of fix-a-flat, and yeah. instruction booklet. So yeah. your spare tire is this can of fix-a-flat because there was just no room for a spare tire, right? And, and even a, a space saver spare. So that really left you in a difficult position if you're on the side of the road and it was something that, you know, a can of fix-a-flat wasn't going to cover. Mm-hmm. Now, I know the run-flats are supposed to be good for 50 miles or whatever, but let's just say that you don't see that that's happening or right. the damage is so significant that even the run-flat won't yeah. you know, hold up for you. They're theoretically going to fix your flat for 50 miles, but it's the same thing. Okay, here's an even better point, just to go back to the donut real quick. The donut is designed as a temporary solution, this space saver, right? So what if you're in a place where you break down and you're so far away that the donut is not going to safely get you there? It's oh. better to have a full-size spare. I see what you're saying. I get it because there's a there's a, a speed limitation to those and there's yeah. also a distance yeah. limitation to those. And uh, you really should pay attention to that because they're not – you know they're not uh, rated for certain speed above certain speeds, mm. and I routinely see people on the highway traveling at sixty-five or seventy miles an hour on a tiny little oh, spare man, little safe sa- uh, space saver spare. They're pushing it. That is tough to say. Yeah, uh, they really are pushing it. The first time I saw one of these was in my uh, my Trans Am, of all places. You would wow. think that that car would have a full size spare in it, but and, and of course that would be a giant tire, it's a real wide tire, but uh, it would be heavy. But that was the first place I ever saw a, a space saver spare, and it was such an unusual looking, uh, extra tire. I mean, it was just a strange looking thing. I mean, it's hard to explain. It's almost like a low profile tire. Like, yeah. It's like a sports tire. But I don't know. You'd have to look it up almost to see a photo of it to be- even believe that they would think about putting that, <laughs> that tire on that <laughs> car. It was really yeah. weird. Yeah. Strange. All right. And my last one here, and this is, um, this is one that I think most people can, uh, can relate to right now. I would love to see glass headlights and taillights come back. Um, and the reason is all of these fogged headlamps that we see, you know, and I'm, yeah. I've, I've, I don't know, I've, I've kind of been lucky in this. I think where I park, um, at my house, uh, the front end of my car is mostly in the shade and I don't think the sunshine hits it an awful lot. Um, so I'm kind of, I've kind of been spared this, uh, this, this headlight haze thing that everybody's going through right now. I have a, a small case of it, mm-hmm. but not anything like some of them that I've seen where you can't see through that lens that's supposed to be completely clear. And you know that hurts your night vision. Right. And you've seen yeah. all the restoration kits out there. Mm-hmm. Well, that wasn't necessary back in the day when we had glass headlights. Now, I know there were problems with those as well. You know, you get a crack sure. in those and it's broken. But Yeah, it's toast. But think about this. I mean, I know plastic's stronger and everything. It can absorb a little bit more. But if you get a crack in or a break in a, a plastic headlamp or a headlamp, headlamp cover, I guess, is what we, sure. we all have now, yeah. uh, which protects the bulb, it's going to let water in, and that's going to cause a short like what you talked about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you know that's what happened with that front left assembly. So you had a crack, and then water got in. Yeah, caused a short, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's something you can't recover from without replacing the whole assembly. But if you had a glass headlamp assembly that you know to begin with, 
Right. And I'm not talking about, you know, the full great big things that we see now. We're talking about just a, a headlamp that you go and you plug it in and it goes, it's a simple, simple thing to replace in and out. It's true. I, I know there's pros and cons. I get it. But yeah. it seems like you had better night vision when you had a clear glass headlamp versus the plastic ones we have now that are all fogged over. So what do you think, listeners? Are those glass headlamps actually better? Or are Scott and I looking back with, as we said, a little bit of nostalgia? And, oh, more importantly, Scott, what did we miss what is another car trend that you think should come back? Tell us about it on Facebook. Tell us on Twitter. Check out carstuffshow.com for every podcast we've ever done. We're also on YouTube. We have a video series coming out. We're working on some more stuff. Spoiler alert. Uh, but in the meantime, before we come out with that, let us know what you think and what you would like to hear about next. All of our best ideas come from you. And our email address where you would send those is carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.